that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. Hump Day edition here of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Haven't spoken since Monday. I had taken the show off yesterday because of Louisville baseball, but we're back today with plenty to talk about. Kentucky with a huge win over a uh, a gutsy performance against Georgia, a Bulldog team that was desperate, had a lot to play for. Kentucky able to find a way to win down nine, nine points uh, with nine minutes to go in that game on the brink of losing their first one. They're able to go on a big run and close out Georgia. We're going to obviously talk a lot about that game. Uh, that was a a fun basketball game to watch. wasn't the prettiest in the first half. There were some sloppy moments, uh, some sloppy moments certainly in the second half, but UK able to do enough to win. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what that means for UK going forward. 30-0 and on the season. We'll look at the big picture, uh, preview Florida a little bit, talk a little bit about the SEC tournament, and obviously March Madness. Louisville takes on Notre Dame tonight. That's a big game for the Cards. Uh, a, a big game that will kind of dictate the momentum for Louisville season. Uh, they win and, and things are looking up and possibly you could jump a few seed lines uh, based on how the, the following few games go after that. Uh, you lose and you really have the feel of a, of a mediocre average team that maybe has a not, not as high as a ceiling come tournament time. So big game for Louisville tonight. Uh, Indiana with a terrible, terrible loss last night to Iowa, an Iowa team that's on the bubble. I think it's safe to say that Indiana is now on the bubble. Not a lot of fans. The student section was over 50% empty for Indiana last night. Fans were booing late in the game. Uh, A real ugly situation in Bloomington for a team that a week ago seemed surely to be in the tournament as long as they could take care of business here and there. Uh, now they're going to need some more wins. That's a, a, a loss against Michigan State is going to put them in a real tough spot entering the Big Ten tournament. We'll talk about the Hoosiers' loss. Uh, so a lot to talk about on today's show. The little U.K. football news, Reese Phillips tears his Achilles, and that'll keep him out of spring practice, which starts Saturday for Kentucky. really snuck up on us. Uh, so he'll be out and, and – Could be back by the fall. You wish him nothing but the best and a speedy recovery. It was unlikely that he was going to push for the starting job realistically uh, with Tolls and obviously Drew Barker. But Reese Phillips was in the conversation last season. So, you know, maybe he could have made some strides. As you have it, he's going to focus on recovering. Uh, We'll see where he goes from there. Want to hear what you have to say? Tweet into the show at T Walker Rivals. Let me know what's going on, what you thought of Kentucky's game, and uh, and it's a big day. It's uh, it's Ask Yates Wednesday. It seems like it's been a while since we've been able to do that. Uh, and speaking of Ask Yates Wednesdays, Yates, how are you? Doing well, TJ. How are you? Doing fantastic. Doing great. You, I, I, so you had to travel to the studio. Was that how was you had any problems getting there? No, no problems getting over here. Uh, don't know if that would be the case going home. Yeah, I 
it, I guess it probably depends what time you leave, but I, I've been, when I left the house earlier today, it was just rain. It was very, very cold rain. Uh, but since I've been home looking out the window, it, I, I saw some sleet, then it switched to snow, and then it switched back to sleet. And I can't really tell if what it is now if there's anything. So it's, if it's if it's snowing or if it's there's precip- precipitation outside, it's not it's not snow right now, uh, which isn't good news. It, you, you'd want it to just be a smooth transition, kind of ignore the ice stage uh, for Louisville fans heading down to the KFC Yum Center night and people just traveling after work. I know a lot of people have gotten off early, uh, so. Safe travels. Sick of this weather. This this should not this should not happen in March. Supposedly we're going to get eight to eight to ten inches. I don't know what the most up to date forecast has us as, but hopefully it's not as bad as it, they're making it out to be. Just sick of this. Luckily, I think after this storm, this is going to be the final. This is going to be winter's last stand here in Kentucky as it's going to start to warm up, be in the forties and maybe fifties next week and. Uh, then you know, get into the fifties and sixties, and we'll we'll be okay. We'll survive. But let's jump right into that Kentucky game. It was a a strange game with all the celebrities that were there. You had Bill Belichick, uh, you had Charles Barkley. The, those two guys were the ones that really stood out. Uh, Bill Belichick gets his seat taken. <laughs> There's some UK fans sitting in his seat. Now I don't know if the Kentucky fans were sitting in his seat just were in the wrong section, maybe thought that those were his seat, or if they were actually trying to steal. I'm fairly sure that it was before the game, so I don't know why you would why you do that. And also, I don't know how you don't have Bill Belichick sitting down on the floor or in the first few rows. He was about uh, 15 or 20 rows up. Not the best seats for the Super Bowl-winning head coach. How about a Kentucky fan? Was it sitting in his seat? They got the usher and got that problem all solved. Bill Belichick was all smiles about it, which was strange because he never smiles about anything, uh, but was amused by that situation. So he was there. Charles Barkley was there. Charles Barkley has no affiliation to this game, didn't go to Georgia. I guess just a fan of basketball, thought there could be an upset, and and at times there looked like there was going to be an upset. And I understand it, and this isn't unique to Kentucky. They're not the only fan base that does this, but you would have thought that the sky was falling during the second half if you were on social media during the UK-Georgia game last night. You would have thought that that UK was down 30, lifeless, no chance to win, nothing going their way. And at that point, it was a a seven- or five-point game. At worst, the the worst it got for UK was a nine-point game. This is a team that's undefeated. They've been in this situation before. The fans that were panicking, take a step back. And I get it. It's it's nerve-wracking, and we've talked about it on the show. You're 29-0 at that point. 29-0, you're probably not going to get to a situation like this again. I get why people were nervous. People were talking about how the team just didn't have any heart that night, and they, they had... No effort. The energy was bad. Maybe for a little bit, but geez, let the game play out. And then if Kentucky ends up losing by 10 or 15, then you can talk about that stuff.
So as you have it, fans were complaining and upset and nervous, and I get the nervousness of it. If you weren't nervous last night, you were probably a, you're probably a liar. But then things start to turn around after the nine minute after the the TV timeout with around nine minutes to go. After UK huddled and talked with John Calipari, Andrew Harrison pulled the team together and talked to him. Said he told the team that, "Hey, we're not going to lose this game." And I can't say enough good things about Andrew Harrison, uh, especially after last night, but on the season. I've been one of his bigger supporters throughout the year. But last night, Carl Anthony Towns was great. UK doesn't win the game without his late-game heroics and how hot he got in the paint. That little hook shot, unstoppable, unguardable, finished with 19 points. Uh, Just, again, really, really played well. Seven rebounds as well. But they're not even in that position without Andrew Harrison. They're not even in a position where he can get hot to help UK close out that game and win that game without the way that Andrew Harrison played. And the funny thing is, him and Tyler Ulis played a game-high 31 minutes. The two point guards that have been pitted against each other all season long are the ones playing the most. Tyler Ulis plays 31 minutes, doesn't even score. Still had a good game, though. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But Andrew Harrison, to me, was last night's MVP. And if you haven't realized it by now, he is the only offensive perimeter player on Kentucky that can create for himself. When the offense gets a little slow, a little stagnant, he's the one that starts creating. And there was a moment in the game yesterday, and it was around with six or seven minutes left. I want to say UK was maybe down seven. Uh, it, it could have been the time they were down nine with nine minutes, but I think there was less time than that. And it, it started to look like, okay, Kentucky was going to start playing with a sense of urgency. They knew they knew needed buckets. They knew they needed baskets. And Tyler Ulysses was the one handling the ball, bringing the ball up the court, doing that until they got in their half-court set, and then it just was whoever was open or uh, whoever rotated over to the top of the perimeter. But there was a moment that Tyler Ulysses was bringing the ball up the right side of the floor, and Andrew Harrison was at the top of the key, a little to the left. Uh, He wanted the ball badly. You could just see it. He had his hands out. He was basically begging Tyler Ulyss to give him the ball. And it took Tyler Ulyss a little bit of time, but once he got Andrew Harrison the ball, Andrew Harrison wasted no time. This was such a big play. This, this, this is a play that Andrew Harrison doesn't make this time last year. And I know that he turned it on in March and played a lot better and played with a lot more confidence. Uh, but this is a play that Andrew Harrison maybe doesn't even make at the beginning of this season. But it's an experienced Andrew Harrison play. So he gets the ball, he puts it on the floor, and just attacks, drives, and he knew exactly what he, what he wanted to do the whole way. Uh, George, I think at that time, was in a zone. One of the guys in the paint, one of the Bulldogs in the paint, comes out, steps up to Andrew Harrison, and with ease, he just throws it up to Marcus Lee, who slams it home for a dunk. Uh, and, and Kentucky offensively started rolling then. Georgia, they, they traded baskets maybe a few more times. Georgia had that little five-point cushion for a little bit where it went back and forth. But that was the play, that really might have been the play of the game for me. At that point, you could tell that Kentucky had finally keyed in, at least offensively. They were locked in, they were ready to roll, and it was just such a smart play from Andrew Harrison. And it was he obviously knew what he wanted to do. And after that, that's when Carl Anthony Towns started to heat up. That's when Georgia started to buckle. There's obviously a lot of pressure on Kentucky. 
when they're going into the, these games, they know, and after the game, they talk about they didn't care about the record, they didn't care about the streak. BS, whatever. Kentucky's done a good job training them in media practices and whatnot. But they obviously care about this streak, and they want to be able to win these games. And it was after that moment where you could tell Kentucky went into let's find ways to win mode, and you could see Georgia start to crack. It was almost like slow motion watching porcelain break. It, it just slowly but surely it just started to unravel, and it was a disaster for Georgia. And the more Kentucky started to score and the more Kentucky looked comfortable on offense, I don't think a lot changed from UK defensively, and it was not a great defensive game from UK. They gave up 64 points. Uh, but they allowed Georgia to shoot 47% from the game. Not their best defensive performance, and I can. there's a lot of reasons why. I, I think that the whistle was so tight that it got UK's defense. Their mindset was, okay, we've got, we can't play aggressive. So they got beat off the dribble more than they usually do. They got lost a little bit. They got confused on the pick and rolls. I think mentally, UK's mindset defensively was just a little bit off so in that final stretch when UK goes on that big run to close out Georgia I don't think there was a I don't think UK's defense specifically changed maybe it was a little bit better I think it was more that Georgia just started to freak out a little bit they were the team that had the chance to knock off the number one team in the country they were the team that was playing close to a perfect game it was their senior day. Everything was going right. But then Kentucky started to hit. Andrew Harrison got that look in his eye. Carl Anthony Towns started to get hot. And that's when Kentucky started to roll. Uh, we're going to talk more about this game. I need to get to some of your tweets. Captain Arctic says it was a gutty win. Also looked like Georgia ran out of gas just at the right time. Again, they, I, I, I do think that probably played into it, too. People forget that this is a 40-minute game. It's up and down. It was competitive. It was physical. People were taking bumps and bruises, and at times it was played at a fast pace. I, I think as much as Georgia was cracking, I think Captain Ordick's right. They were just starting to tire out a little bit, too. That played into it. Things weren't as easy as they had been. They don't go as deep as UK does. And then he says the two-man game with Ulysses and Towns was NBA-esque, but... And, you list if you're talking about just the deliveries to the to the post. Yes, uh, you know I, I think any UK guard could have fed Towns in the post like that. But Ulysses was the one with the ball in his hand. But Ulysses did make that fantastic play. Uh, that I don't know if that led to the Carl Anthony Towns and one, but it was Ulysses got into the paint and there was a roll from Carl Anthony Towns. But Ulysses being a five nine. And was swallowed up. It didn't look like there was any way he was going to be able to get that ball out of there without a deflection. He somehow makes just a ridiculous pass, ends up in Carl Anthony's town's hands right on the block. And then again, I don't remember if he, if that was the one that he missed the layup on and then got his own rebound and was fouled, or if he just made it himself. But it really, it, it really turned the tide in that game. And uh, at that point, I think UK fans start to got started to feel it. Okay, we've got this one. Uh, Brun DMC's tweeting in about the brackets. We'll talk about that. 
but I, I wish you all could have seen the. Te- I, I almost want to. Maybe I'll put them on Twitter. But I'll, I wish you all could see the the text messages that Clayby one sixteen was sending me. And it, sometimes he doesn't get to listen to the show as much. And if you've been listening to the show for the duration uh, of the sports talker's life, Clayby one sixteen's a he he loves to be involved and text in and tweet into the show. Uh, but I wish you all could see his text that he was sending me during the game last night. I, I mean, this was just it, this was pure panic and freakout mode. Uh, it was it, it was classic. And I, I was we play trivia every Tuesday night, and I was pretty much worthless in trivia. Not that I'm ever uh, an all star, but once the UK game started, I just I, I zoned out and don't even I couldn't even tell you one question that was being asked, but. Clay B116's text to me last night was were almost comic relief during the game. Uh, you know, an intense game, a, a game where, again, if you were a Kentucky fan, you, you should have been nervous. He asked where UK's defense had been the last few games, said that UK's defense wasn't the same defense it was at the beginning of the year. Which actually, he's not alone in saying that. And, and people were tweeting that out during the Georgia game that lately UK's defense had been bad. And there's been stretches this year that people have said that. It's historically just a a great defense. Numbers-wise, stats-wise, and just passes the eye test as a good defense. But if you want to look at their numbers the last few games, it is a little bit different than the beginning of the year, but let's look into the reason why. They played Auburn and beat them by 1,000. They allowed Auburn to score 75 points, which at the time was the second most by an SEC team. It still is the second most by an SEC team. Auburn. You think if UK wanted to hold Auburn to 50 points, they could have? Yeah, but when you're up by 50 points, you're going you're gonna to relax a little bit. So numbers-wise, it's, it's a little inflated. They play Mississippi State. They play a good defensive game. On the road, again, got a little bit bored in that game. Gave up 56. Probably should have been less, but 56 is fine. You play Arkansas, and that was a lot like the Auburn game. The tempo was a little bit faster, a little bit higher. UK at one point led by 31 points. It's tough to keep your foot on the other team's throat all the time. So Arkansas was able to get some garbage points. Still a blowout win. UK's defense has not been bad. Now, they weren't great against Georgia, but it it hasn't been bad. So... He's tweeted, uh, he's texting during the game. He was talking about how bad the defense was. He said that UK was continuing to get beat by an ugly white guy, which that was weird. It was for George to get to have the game that he did, 18 points, but he really was shut down for the most part in the second half. But I, I didn't really understand it, and, and Kentucky had Trey Lyles on him for a lot of that of that stretch. I, I felt that was ridiculous. You don't put Trey Lyles on him. He's a little bit too big and also also quick, but just a little bit too muscular for Trey Lyles. But he was getting so many touch foul calls. Again, I think it just mentally started to affect UK's defense. Where okay, well I can't I can't play him aggressive, so you play off. And he he was a, he's a, he's a okay player. And he was able to do some things, but again, UK shut him down when they needed to. At one point, he said that Georgia was easily going to drop 80 points. They were out hustling Kentucky, which maybe at times they were, but it was their senior day. That was a game they had to win. 
Oh, that was good stuff, guys. I wish everybody could text Clay B116 during the games. Anyways, uh, we're going to talk more about this game. I want to I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, Kentucky being able to win. Dan Wolkin, who is a good writer for USA Today, talked about maybe Kentucky needing to lose that game. I'm so sick of that discussion. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, there was another article talking about how Kansas has had a better year than Kentucky. I mean, it's just I, I don't. We're going to talk a little bit about UK's national perception after this commercial break. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. To the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back. Sports Buzz. Clavy116 says, I'm getting way too anxious now for games and vent through, the, vent through various outlets. I just need to put my phone away for games. <sighs> no, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Keep texting me during games. Your worries. And the, and the thing is... Again, I get the under I get the undefeated part of it all. Again, I've said it a hundred times. I don't think I'm ever gonna see UK have a chance to go 30 and 0 again in my lifetime. I could be wrong. The funny thing is about UK is it seems like every year, every season, Kentucky fans have said, Well, this isn't gonna happen again. Enjoy the ride, because it's not gonna happen again. And I guess you can make the case that every season and every year is different and has been different under John Calipari. The 2009-2010 team, Kentucky basketball, was finally back. They were cool. People were talking about them. They were beating good teams. They were ranked in the top five. It had been a while. And people had said, well, just enjoy this team because you might not have a group of freshmen come together, a talented group like this, happen again. And then people bought in. That team ends up coming up a little bit short. 2011, Brandon Knight, you, you do get a group, another another good group of freshmen. But they took their lumps and, and had some trouble on the road. And the, the season didn't maybe go as well as, as, as planned during the regular season. And fans really, I guess at that point, weren't saying, appreciate this, it's not going to happen again, blah, blah, blah. But then there was the tournament run. There was the game against Ohio State. There was the win to go to the Final Four against UNC, the first time Kentucky had been to the Final Four since 98. There, and then at that time, there was that talk that, hey, enjoy it, because I don't know if there's going to be a tournament run like this again, an exciting tournament run where there are basically three buzzer beaters. You uh, and Princeton and, and obviously Ohio State, UNC might have not been a true buzzer beater, but DeAndre Liggins, three, was, was close to it. And then there's 2012, and that team was dominant. Lost two games in the regular season. Probably should have won both of them. Or I guess one game, one in the SEC tournament. Well, you're not going to see that again. And then sure enough, we're here at 30-0. and And we've seen it. We've seen it again. So maybe we will. I'm skeptical because of how hard it is to be able to do this. 
So I get why fans are a little bit nervous. I get why they're anxious. The good news is Kentucky's going to beat Florida. Then you go to the SEC tournament. And, and the SEC tournament, again, it shouldn't be a time that fans are nervous. And that's why I've said in the past that I like, I like conference tournament week better than the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. And I realize I'm in the minority of that and, and few people agree with me. But there is almost just such a stress level during the NCAA tournament that it's hard to watch. Yeah, games are on all Thursday and Friday and then Saturday and Sunday, and they're, they're exciting games. But you lose and, and your season's over right then and there. At least in conference tournament, it's a similar setup. Not only do you have games all day Thursday and Friday, but you also have some on Wednesday. You have some on Tuesday. But it's, it's almost more of a fun environment, like a, a family-friendly NCAA tournament, where if you, if you lose, it's not the end of the world. Now, that will probably be thrown out the window for UK since they will be undefeated, and that has changed everything this season as the shriek has grown longer and longer. John Calipari talked about the SEC tournament, and we've, we've spoken about this on the show. Uh, he's not a big fan about it. He says he doesn't care about it. He mentioned last night that he still doesn't care. Uh, he made a good point. He, he talked about how if you win or lose in the SEC championship game, the NCAA tournament doesn't care. They said as much just a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, excuse me. And I, I understand it. I, I, I don't think he tries to lose those games, but maybe he doesn't put forth his best coaching effort. But last night he said that this is about the fans. He said that fans spend their vacation money, spend – uh, their their rent money, car payments, on going to Nashville and going to the SEC tournament, so they will be playing for the fans down there. And it, it almost, to me, was John Calipari's way of kind of winking at somebody and saying, I got you. I, I, I know what this means to you all. We got you. It almost was very confident in a, in a sense, at least, at least to me. Yeah. Did you hear John Calipari say that scared money don't make no money? No, I did not hear him say that. He said that when talking about Georgia being up, he said that he said that to the team. Now, could you imagine if a 54-year-old, however old he is, man is telling a group of 18 or 19-year-olds, if you're one of those 18 or 19-year-olds that are more connected to the rap and hip-hop scene, he says that scared money don't make no money, would that motivate you or kind of make you crack up? Because I think, I think I'd have a tough time taking that seriously. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a little of both. Or yeah, you're right. Maybe it is just maybe that maybe it's so unique and such a a weird thing for him to say that maybe it does really rally you. Because if he's going to go to rap and hip hop quotes to get you going, maybe that ignites you a little bit more than your average your average go get him win one for the Gipper type of quote. I thought that was hilarious, and then he 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 said it again and. Uh, to the media after the game, um, just you always got to find ways to connect with the kids. And able to do that, whatever he was able to do. I, I, I heard some interesting debates on Twitter about the National Coach of the Year award. Yay, who would you give it to uh, if you had to give the award away today? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't. I don't even know. 
I don't know. Let, let me let me think about that for a second. All right, you think about it. And here's uh, there really is. I guess maybe some things could happen where it could change. Maybe if UK lost in the SEC tournament. Maybe if UK was upset by Florida. If UK was upset by Florida, then maybe I could see it going in a different direction. But let's assume that UK wins out the regular season. They're they're going to beat Florida, and then they win the SEC tournament. At that point, yeah, you just have to give it to John Calipari. You have to, regardless. There really is not another choice. You you go thirty four and zero. Any coach that goes thirty four and zero should get it. <laughs> should get that award. I know he has a ton of talent, and you can spin it. You can spin it a few ways. You could say that, well, he has so much talent, it 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 shouldn't count. Give it to somebody who wins with not a lot of talent. But you could also spin it and say he's got so much talent, he's still figuring out a way to make everybody happy. There's been no off the court issues, and part of the coach of the year award, if you're talking about the year as a whole, well, part of your job is to recruit and bring in that talent. That's you know that should probably be part of it. Although I will say that if Virginia wins out and finishes the year with one loss with zero McDonald's All-Americans, if you wanted to say Tony Bennett should be considered, then you're not wrong about that. And also they've had injuries. I would be okay with at least discussing that. Although you just could, there's no way you could not give it to John Calipari. He's undefeated. Where Virginia would have one loss, and there's a there's a, you know, at the end of the day, it's just one loss. But there's a big difference between that. So it really, I think it comes down to those two coaches uh, as the only ones being considered. But if UK finishes out the year and heads into the tournament undefeated. You can't give it to anybody else. Do you, you agree with that, Yates? Um, personally, probably not. I, for me, Coach of the Year is more based on how much you exceed expectations. Is that that to me is I, I don't know has more to do with coaching. I I understand that he's done a great job, and I don't have any problem with him being in the discussion. But I mean, this team was expected to be. A great team. Sure, but were they? But realistically, were they expected to go undefeated? I mean, going undefeated is maybe never a realistic expectation, but it's certainly something that was discussed before the season even began. Well, it was discussed before last season as well, and and that ended two games into it. UK, you know, people are going to discuss stupid things all the time. And I'm not saying it was so stupid to think that it could possibly happen. But if anything, if this year has taught us anything, it shows just how hard it is to go undefeated. How hard it is night in and night out, especially on the road, even if you're playing teams that, that don't even hold a candle talent-wise. I think this season shows how hard it is for this Kentucky team because Kentucky talent-wise, there's, there's nobody close. So the, second, the, next, the next in line is Duke. But you've even seen a really good, talented Duke team lose some surprise games. It happens. Now, Virginia has been great. And they, they to, to have their record is impressive. 
but they don't really have the, the the quality wins, in my opinion, that Kentucky does. And you know that might be getting too technical in the in the Coach of the Year award. But I don't think you can blame John Calipari for. I understand what you're saying about expectations. Virginia was still a, a top ten team to start the year. Kentucky started the year number one, but to go undefeated, I mean, I, I think that's exceeding all expectations that anybody else has. I mean, unless you had a a team maybe like Mississippi State go 27-2 and two or something crazy like that. Undefeated, you just can't beat it. Whether you have a ton of talent or you don't. That, that's saying that you literally couldn't have done a better coaching job, technically. I mean, you won every game. But I, I, I get it. Would, so would you say that Tony Bennett is your, is your vote? I didn't even really give you a chance to, to say who it would be. Yeah, that, I, at this point, that's probably who I would give it to. So yeah, again, I'm okay with entertaining that debate and that discussion because what he's done is is really really good. They've got one more game. They're going to have to go to Louisville. Uh, you know, what if they finish the year losing to Louisville and then not winning the ACC tournament and having three losses? At that point, does it make it a little bit? Uh, would you side with Calipari then, or still no? Sorry, what was that? If if. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Sorry about that. That was actually in, again, those that have been following the sports talker since the beginning, uh, the, the random blackouts are used to kind of be a staple of the show. They, hadn't, they have not happened nearly as much, and that one was completely on me. I don't know. It was just my Skype went out, uh, it, and it wanted me to report a bug and say that something was wrong. I'd never seen that happen before. So that one was on me. Uh, so sorry about that. I, maybe I did it on purpose because I wanted to build suspense for this coach of the year debate that Yates and I uh, were partaking in. Uh, but Yates, what I was trying to say was that if if Virginia ended up losing three games heading into March, would that change your mind or no? Uh, if that were the case, I'd, I'd I'd be okay giving it to Calipari. Okay, and again, I, I think I I don't really think you can make a strong case for either. Anybody else besides these two, uh, and I still think it's an easy decision for John Calipari, but uh, what, what Tony Bennett's been able to do at Virginia, and if you really could take into account what he was able to do last year as well, uh, then you know he, he's done a terrific job without question. Uh, wanted to, again, sometimes an hour is not enough, especially here in March, but Clay B116 said of, UK and U of all play in the tournament. My, my stress and anxiety level will be through the roof. It will be too much for me to handle. I might not be able to watch the game. A lot of bracket, a, a lot of bracketologists have Louisville as the four seed in Kentucky's region. If you're a Kentucky fan and you want to avoid Louisville, uh, you would either want to cheer for them to win out 
and maybe get a three or two seed and possibly not have that matchup until the Elite Eight. At that point, you know, who, who knows what can happen. Uh, or you want Louisville to, to lose out and possibly get a five seed or worse because here's the deal. If Louisville's a four, uh, a four seed, there's a very good chance they're going to be in Kentucky's region. Really a 50, 50% chance. And the reason that is is because if they're a four seed, they can't be in Duke or Virginia's region if Duke and Virginia get one seeds because they're in the same conference. So if Duke gets a one seed, if Virginia gets a one seed, and Louisville gets a four or three or two, they can't be in, in Duke's region or Virginia's region. So that would leave either Kentucky's region or they'd ship them out west. And at that point, I don't think they're going to try to – they may try to play in geography and let Louisville play closer to home in Cleveland. Or they might just try to – they might not care and, and send them out, out west. But if they're a five seed, then they're allowed – and it's kind of silly. But if they're a five seed, they're allowed to be in, in Virginia or Duke's region. The four is the cutoff. So, something to keep an eye on. It could very well be for a, another Kentucky-Louisville Sweet 16 rematch. I, I will say this, and I've been, I've been complimentary of Louisville for the most part. Uh, I praised their win against Florida State, said that it was probably a better win than Kentucky's win against Arkansas. Uh, that I don't think Louisville has a ton of talent on their team, and for them to be in the, the place that they are this year, I think Rick Pitino's done a really good job to lose Chris Jones just with a few weeks left in the season and, and, and be able to shring off two wins. I think Louisville's an okay team. I, I just, if they played Kentucky in the tournament, I, I think that would be an easy win for UK. It'd be a game that UK'd be focused in on. They wouldn't let Louisville sneak up on them. I think that's the way Kentucky loses, is, is maybe not being focused for a game. But Louisville, it's a game they'd be focused for. They already won at the Yum Center in an ugly game where uh, you know, maybe they didn't get all the calls. They, they still got, you know, I'm not saying the refs were bad or hurt Kentucky, but maybe they didn't get all the calls. They definitely didn't have the, the fan support. You get those teams on a neutral court. I think things change a little bit. I, I I don't think Louisville could beat UK in the tournament. I if if you were if you took the rivalry aside and you had Louisville's team with let's you know another name, let's say that they they were called Iowa State, but it was Louisville's team. I don't think you'd be anybody would be too worried about them. And that's no disrespect to Louisville. I I think they could make a run. I just don't know if they could make a run with Kentucky being in the way. We'll see. It's uh, it's going to be fun to see how everything plays out the next few weeks. Yates, do you get in the Jerome? I do not know. Do you know what it is? Yes. Have I asked you this? Uh, you haven't asked me, but I do know what it is. Okay, you pick all the conference winners. The first round, uh, uh, the, the smaller conferences, was due yesterday. So far, I'm doing well. I'm not going to bore you all with my picks, but you pick all the conference winners. All the media members do it. And then it's kind of extended into some fans, uh, but it's fun. It's fun. It's, it's basically impossible to be able to pick the the small conference winners. Like anybody has a clue. 
Run DMC says that on Monday, Gonzaga was the two seed in UK's region, according to Joe Lenardi. Today, it's back to Wisconsin. And then also says that Virginia Tech has finished dead last in the ACC the last four seasons, which is a little off topic, but that's a fun fact. So will Wisconsin be the two in UK's region? That's what everybody's predicting. Geography says that they should be. I don't think they will. I think enough people have made a big deal about them not being the two seed, and I, and I think it's pretty clear that Wisconsin is the best two seed out there. I don't. I, I, I think they'll, they'll change it up. I don't think they will put Wisconsin the two seed in UK's region. And ideally, Villanova loses. They almost lost last night, almost lost on a last-second shot. Ideally, Villanova loses, and Wisconsin sneaks in to that fourth number one. And then I, I truly feel you've got maybe the four best teams in college basketball get the one get one seeds, and I don't think that happens that often. You can make a case for Arizona, but to me, and I, I would probably say I, I like Arizona better than Virginia. I haven't been super high on Virginia all year, but I could be stupid on that because they've only lost one game. But I, I just don't think that they're going to put the best one with the best two when it's almost clear-cut that Wisconsin's the best two. If there was some debate about it, maybe, you know, Wisconsin, maybe they lose this weekend, maybe they lose, get upset early in the Big Ten tournament, then that changes everything, and then maybe they are the two. We'll see. Not always, just, again, not enough time. Wanted to talk IU, wanted to talk a little bit more about Louisville. But we've got to get to Ask Yates Wednesday. It's been forever, and we need to save some time for that. So let's get into it, Yates. Caught me off guard again. Gee, Yates, come on. What are you doing there? I do, I do work during the show. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't get to sit here and just listen like a fan. You th- expect thing, me to th- believe Things here have to be done. You expect me to believe that you're doing work during the it's show. It's now Wait. time for the word of the day. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Teach me something new, man. I, I need to learn. With David Yates. My mind is a raging torrent flooded with rivulets of thought cascading into a waterfall of creative alternatives. All right, there we are. Ask Yates Wednesday. We'll jump right into it. Brun DMC wants to know, do you consume caffeine daily? If so, what form, how much? Coffee, energy drink, soda, meth? What is it, Yates? Uh, well, fortunately, I was able to kick meth a while back, so... That's, that's good. It's not that. Uh, no, I don't consume caffeine daily. Uh, if I do, it's in the form of uh, some sort of diet soda. Uh, but I'm I'm doing my best to cut back on my soda consumption in general, so... I might have one or two a week, but that's about it. Okay, I, I had... Uh... I've gone back and forth on Coke. Sometimes I wouldn't drink it for a few months. Sometimes I couldn't go a meal without having having it. And during last last fall and into November and December, I was in that the unfortunately the part, the stage where I was drinking it with every meal. Since New Year's, I've not had a Coke, and I've had very few soft drinks altogether. The soft drinks that I have had are Sprites here and there when my throat has hurt uh, or something, or when I've needed a. a you know, when I've needed a soft drink. So just a few Sprites, no Cokes this year. Pretty pretty proud about that. Rob Blackhawk wants to know that what is your favorite beer, Yates? 
I don't know if I have a particular favorite beer. Uh, a lot of times it just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. We're talking about mass consumption. If I'm tailgating for a game or something and mask and I'm, and I'm trying to get a little intoxicated, I'll typically default to Bud Light. Uh, but most of the time it's probably going to be some sort of a, a craft beer or something probably. And that would, like I said, that, that a lot of times that'll just depend on my mood. I don't know that I could pinpoint any one particular one that I would call my favorite. I, I, I mean, when I, and again, for Lent, I gave up drinking beer. Now that doesn't mean I'm not drinking other types of alcohol, but I'm not drinking beer for Lent, uh, which has been hard. It, it's been, I guess, two weeks now. So 14 days. It has. It's been an experience. I, I Bud Light would always just be my beer to drink to drink, uh, but I, I I guess if you like fancy, I don't know if you'd even call some of these beers fancy. But I do, you know, I do like Blue Moon. That's it. Who you know who who doesn't like Blue Moon? And then I'm happy about this Ask H Wednesday question. Nick Coffey, who's back on 1450 The Sports Buzz. He's getting into the Ask Yates question segment, uh, everybody's favorite segment. Yates, are you happy that Nick Coffey is back on 1450 The Sports Buzz? I'm ecstatic. The place was not the same without him around. Well, 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 I I wouldn't disagree with that, but what about me, man? Oh, you, I mean, that's definitely no knock on you. That's just, I mean... I'm kidding. If you, I'm if, kidding. You t- if you took one player, I'll, I'll put this in, in language you can understand. If you took one player off the UK team, they'd still be a really, really good team, but it just wouldn't be the same without that one player. I get what you're saying. And there was a little crossover last year where, where Nick's show inside the press box, which is 530 to 7, uh, I I've, have not really talked about his show being back on the air because I haven't had a ton of shows to been able to do because of Louisville baseball. Uh, but if you're, if you're a Louisville fan, definitely the show for you. And if you're a fan of college sports – it's he talks about everything so uh and, and pretty unbiased does a great job his show 5 30 to 7 it's back um, so make sure you tune in to that there was a little crossover last year i think there was maybe a month or two months it, when we our shows actually were on together uh before he had to take that leave but back now uh so glad you're back and glad you're getting in on ask H wednesday uh yates i i guess my my Ask H Wednesday question to you is, what is it going to take for Kentucky to not win the NCAA championship? Um, gosh, Make you mean, say some nice things about UK. It's, it's going to take the – I think it's going to take them a perfect game or near, nearly perfect game from a team with close to their talent level. I mean, you know, a team like Georgia or, you know, any of these other teams that have given them trouble, those those teams just don't have the talent to get over the hump and and beat Kentucky. It's going to have to be somebody like a Duke or a Wisconsin that has that talent level to play a, a nearly perfect game, and and maybe even Kentucky to play, you know, ha- have an off game before I, I think they'll lose. It's I mean they're exceptionally good. I do think there's only a handful of teams that can beat Kentucky. Something that I think could be really troublesome for UK. And you saw Georgia get a nine-point lead, and and that may have been the biggest deficit Kentucky's had all year. Maybe Columbia earlier in the year got a big lead on UK. I, I There might have been some other teams here and there. Uh, but 
nine points on the road, that was that was the the darkest it had looked for UK to actually pick up a loss. I'd be curious if it, if UK wasn't an Elite Eight game or maybe even a Final Four game, and they played a team like Wisconsin or Duke or a team that could match them talent wise or close to it, like Arizona, uh, you know, even a Louisville. If one of those teams got a big lead in the second half, nine or ten points. Because at that point, it's a tournament game, the pressure's really, really building, and you realize that the team you're playing against is on a level playing field talent-wise. That's That would be a, a hole that I think Kentucky could really get in some trouble in. Obviously, you know, you get in a 9- or 10-point hole against anybody, there could be some trouble. Uh, but I, I wonder if they could come back against a good team, because like for points that you mentioned, uh, Georgia just didn't have the talent. But it'll be interesting. I, I can't say it enough how pumped I am March Madness is here. Uh, Yates, predictions for Louisville-Notre Dame. I wanted to talk more about this game. Didn't get a chance. Uh, what, what do you got there? Uh, well, obviously, uh, anybody who's followed Louisville knows that Louisville-Notre Dame is always an unbelievably close game. So I'll, I'll say Louisville pulls it out. I'll even say that it probably goes to overtime, as it usually does. Uh, Louisville by five. And real quick, did you ever actually ask Nick's question, or did you just mention that he, he sent in a question? I, I asked the question that he asked, unless what, I'm not seeing something. What was his question? Are you happy? Are you excited that? Oh, Nick's back? okay. I didn't. I would. I didn't realize that. I thought that was you, you asking me that. I didn't know that was his question. No, that was the question. Does that change your answer? No, it does not. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I think. I think Louisville wins. I, I can't really get a feel on what I think the tempo or the pace of this game is going to be. Uh, I don't know if Louisville's defense will will win out and slow down Notre Dame or Notre Dame's offensive ability to to kind of spread teams out and uh, get what they want uh, offensively. I don't know if that's going to win out. I, I do think maybe if whoever wins the the tempo game might actually win the game. But I, I think Louisville's going to ugly it up a little bit and, and find a way to win uh, somewhere in the 60s. I do think it will be closer, uh, like you mentioned, maybe a five-point game or something like that. So I, I think Louisville wins. Uh, the Virginia game could be a different story. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. We're out of time. Thanks for listening. I'm glad to be back. I think we've got a show tomorrow, and I think we may be out on Friday. Uh, but So if we're back tomorrow, that means we're going to be talking sports. Everybody stay safe because of this weather. Stay inside if you can. Enjoy another great night at college basketball. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. To my old Kentucky home. My old Kentucky home. Uh, they say welcome to the 502 Take the Georgia boy, show them how Kentucky do Oprah Priest, Classics, Pink Kentucky Blue They say don't forget 270, we hitting two Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple I'ma call it home